tweets, Slovenia is the world's best country, really? We Americans love hyperbole, the best this, the biggest that. In fact, the British editor of my last book made me trim away the superlatives because it sounded too American. But whenever I'm asked about living in Slovenia, I always respond with something I truly believe, that this is the best country I can imagine in which to live. This inevitably provokes askance glances of disbelief, and fair enough. If I'd said that New York or Paris are the best places in the work, world to live, few would argue. But Slovenia, really? What makes the statement interesting is to ask why. I ask myself this, and I have a very specific list of responses. But I've also played devil's advocate and come up with a list of problems that Slovenia has, most of which Slovenes are the first to complain about. For few Slovenes actually think that Slovenia is the best place in the world to live. So what do I see that the locals don't? Look, I recognize that I tend to see the world through rose-colored bifocals. I have gained full, if inconsistent, employment as a writer and professor, and come from what I recognize as a privileged background, so things have been generally easy for me, and therefore it's easier for me to see the glass half-full and refillable. That's also just my personality. I'm relentlessly enthusiastic and optimistic, and I ignore the things that I wouldn't like. But I brought the same criteria with me as I've traveled the world, and I've lived for at least a month, and as long as many years, in many different nations. I once counted, in fact, and the list, as best I recall, is as follows. In the U.S., I lived in New Haven, Connecticut, where I grew up, in Wallingford, Connecticut, where I went to boarding school, in Waterville, Maine, at Colby College, in Chicago, Illinois, in Boston, Massachusetts, and in the U.K., I lived in London, where I was doing an M.A. in Art History, and in Cambridge, where I was doing an M.Phil in Art History, and in Italy, I lived in Rome, Florence, and Venice, and Orvieto. In France, I lived in Paris and Poe. Elsewhere in Europe, I lived in Madrid and in Leiden. And in Slovenia, I've lived in Ljubljana, in a village called Tunice, in the town I live in now called Kamnik, and the wonderfully named village of Ig, famous for a Bronze Age settlement of houses on stilts, and bear attacks, and a women's prison. While it's Eurocentric, it's a fair lifetime's worth of places to call home, and I'm only 35 years old at the time of writing this, although a few years older now at the time of recording this as a podcast. So though I tend to see the best of each place and overlook the worst, I've applied the same criteria to 21 localities in seven countries, and Slovenia wins by a mile. So what's there to love about living here? I'll give you a little list, my own personal list, and it's just a partial one. It's the most beautiful country I've ever seen. Sure, China and New Zealand and South Africa boast spectacular and diverse landscapes, but Slovenia has the most diverse geography in the world per square kilometer, since it is so tiny, only 20,273 square kilometers, or about the size of New Jersey. You can snorkel in the morning and ski in the afternoon, while spelunking at one of the world's most spectacular and largest caves in between, then take in a concert in a medieval castle and hike the Alps, all in one day. Lake Bled is the single most beautiful place I've seen, and many would agree, and it's pretty impossible to disagree once you see it yourself. Journalists regularly include Slovenia in their most beautiful lists with the Socha River, recently called the most beautiful river in the world. It's hard to argue. The national health care is amazing and cheap. Slovenia retained the best of its socialist heritage and got rid of the bad stuff. I think it's entirely appropriate for a government to ensure high-quality, inexpensive health care for all citizens, and they do that particularly well here. What you pay is based on your income, but it tends to be less than about 100 euros a month, and this might cover your entire family no matter how many children you have. 
In the U.S., it can cost $1,000 per person per month. And the quality here is outstanding. People actually fly in from abroad to have procedures done. Sure, there are wait times for non-urgent appointments, but you can always be seen immediately by paying what is a reasonable amount extra and going to a private practice. If you're going to have babies, this is the place to be. When my wife and I knew we were going to have a family, we decided to move from Italy to Slovenia. On the off chance that you might have trouble getting pregnant, I'll just give you an example. The country takes very good care of you. You get up to six IVFs for free here, and abroad they can cost over $10,000 each with no guarantee of success. The hospital stay giving birth free. A midwife visiting your home to check in on you and the baby once a week for the baby's first few months and on call whenever you need her free. And parents get a whopping combined 18 months of paid leave from work to divide among themselves in any way they like. In most countries, you're lucky for the mom to get three months and the dad gets nothing. And in some countries, you just get three weeks. Plus, for each child, the mom's social security is paid for the government by three years. This is the place to procreate people. Taxes and social security are surprisingly low. For a former socialist state, you think taxes would be killer. And to be fair, they can get high, around 40% if you have full-time salary job in the highest tax bracket. And getting to the highest tax bracket is a pretty quick route. But because of my work, thankfully, I don't quite fit this description. And for people like me, the taxes and Social Security contributions are amazingly low. For me, it was particularly striking because my tax rate is lower here than I was paying in the U.S., but you get so much more from it, and you get it in an overt way. So I'm very happy to pay taxes here in a way that I grumbled about it when paying in other countries. It's easy and inexpensive by Western standards to have a comfortable, high quality of life. This is a bit like Paris was in the 1920s. My wife and I once, several years ago, before we had kids, made a budget for how much we actually spend per year. And without keeping tight track of it, we wound up calculating that our expenses were just around 16,000 euros per year for a couple living without trying to focus on budget, which is pretty amazing considering the lifestyle we were leading. It's significantly closer to the rest of Europe than other parts of the former Yugoslavia in terms of cost of living, especially Ljubljana, and the prices of just about everything drop as soon as you're 10 minutes outside the capital. But it remains a country where you can live very comfortably, a very luxurious lifestyle for a fraction of what it would cost elsewhere. The country is safe and clean and everything works well. Uh, certainly from a foreign perspective, Slovenes might like to complain about it, but that's usually because they don't have the experience of how poorly things tend to work abroad. Having lived in Italy, a country oozing charm, but in which nothing works properly and no one follows any rules, life is simply easier in Slovenia. It's the cleanest place I've seen. You could eat off the streets, so probably not recommended. It also has one of the lowest crime rates of any country in the world. In 2015, out of 120 countries, it was number 106, just slightly less safe than Finland. The UK, by contrast, was number 68, and the US was number 45. I'd probably recommend against moving to Venezuela, which was number one in terms of the least safe country in the world. But in Slovenia, there's so little violent crime here that a single mugging anywhere in the country is likely to make the national news. The intentional homicide rate is a reassuringly low 0.7 per 100,000 people, one of the lowest in the world. Most people under age 40 speak very good English, and you can really live here without speaking Slovene. 
so travel is a piece of cake. And although there is a lot of bureaucracy, forms to fill out, stamps to get stamped, as both the Habsburg Empire and the Socialist Yugoslavia love their bureaucracy, it is clear what you need to do, and there are rarely surprises, unlike in Italy, where no one can agree on how anything should be done, and a bureaucrat will inevitably insist on whichever document you neglected to bring. Here the trains run on time, you can walk anywhere at any hour of the night, and litter is a rare sight. Slovenia has a lively and rich culture, but it's not overrun by tourists, while it still feels lively. Every few months, a new major newspaper or magazine will come out with a feature about Slovenia, including the phrase hidden gem, and I'm guilty of that myself. It's been a hidden gem so frequently and so ubiquitously that you wonder how long it could possibly remain hidden. But I'm not sure I want it to get too much busier. Ljubljana and Bled get enough tourists to feel touristy and lively, but it never gets overwhelming. Ljubljana is maybe right on the edge, and in fact, the tourist agency there has said they have enough tourists in terms of quantity. They'd like them to stay longer, engage in more things, but they don't want the total number to go up. Aside from feeling oppressive and invasive to locals, a place that's too touristy, like Florence or Venice or Rome, just doesn't feel like the place you'd like to live full-time. And Slovenia will never get there but they still feel lively and an engaging place to be. And aside from the two must-see destinations, which everyone will say is Ljubljana and Bled, spotting tourists is a relatively infrequent and low-key affair. The rest of the country could probably do with more tourists, but the cultural offerings are rich, and coming to Slovenia does feel like you're part of some sort of exclusive club of in-the-know, intelligent travelers who find nooks just off the beaten path. The country's well-located, it's easy to access by discount airline to the big cities of Europe, with train connections and super easy car rides from Ljubljana to Venice, two hours, to Trieste, one hour, to Zagreb, 90 minutes, to Salzburg, two hours, to Vienna, three and a half hours and more. With a car, it's really a piece of cake to travel anywhere in Slovenia, and it's pretty difficult to remain in the country and drive more than about two hours, and also to get to the rest of Europe. While there are no direct flights to the U.S., you can't have everything, right? And maybe I'll conclude with this positive point that has a negative aspect to it. Foreigners are often treated better than locals here. A number of guidebooks mention this, and I've actually seen that it's true. Slovenes may not always be friendly to one another. The default may be stone-faced and somewhat brusque, unless there's a reason to be otherwise, as opposed to the relentlessly chipper American approach, which can also feel disingenuous. And Slovenes are occasionally disdainful towards ex-Yugoslav neighbors to the south, but if you hail from any other country, you're far more likely to be greeted in excellent English, with smiles and welcomes and recommendations and generous hospitality. Slovenes love it when their country is admired and praised by foreigners, and their innate pride in their homeland seems to come out more when others enjoy Slovenia than when Slovenes are left to enjoy it themselves. Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode of Slovenology, and I'll see you next time.